Well, hello, and welcome back to Married to India. If you are a returner by uh, the seventh episode, I hope you're here to stay. Today, I wanted to talk a little bit about our purchase of 242. 242 was the very first home that we had purchased. And without my father-in-law's pushing, by this point, we would have never even attempted to buy a home. We just didn't have faith in ourselves that we could, you know, make such a big purchase. Again, I wasn't working. Serena was working full time. We just have a newborn. Um, by this time, Brittany was five years old and, um, or almost five years old. And it was just, it seemed like to own a home, um, for Srinu was definitely that American dream. For me, I think that I heard that a lot, but I didn't really understand what everyone meant when they used to say, um, home ownership is the American dream or living the American dream because being an American, I think it's very difficult for a person to understand exactly what that encompasses to an outsider. So I think as Srinu and I, our relationship grew and we started learning, learn, learning more and more about each other. I think that, that being American, being an American started to really, uh, mean more to me than it did just because I was born an American. So we'll get to that a little bit later. But again, the purchase of 242 was um, huge for us. And it was the first time that I really understood uh, what it meant to be married to a Hindu man because Srinu was not a very religious person. I think that uh, in his own way, he's spiritual. He has his own beliefs. But Srinu and I have always lived our lives in a way that no matter what our beliefs are, political, religious, um, morals, values, those kinds of things, we've never pushed that on to anyone else. Everybody we feel should be entitled to their own morals, values, religious and political views, whatever they are. Um, that's part of, you know, living in a democracy and being able to be part of something so great. So um, this was probably the first time that I realized that for Srinu, this was important. It wasn't that he was overbearing or pushy about it, but definitely because his parents were mentioning um, auspicious dates and don't forget that you need to boil milk before you move in, these types of things. Srinu didn't want to tempt the hands of faith, if you will. And if he knew or I knew that something might cause a negative reaction, it's not that we're superstitious, but we're like, why tempt it? Um, so the funny part about it is in the U.S., nobody's just, just going to give you keys to a home without signing a contract and properly handing over the keys. So for us, um, we had figured out what some auspicious dates were in which we could move into this house and do this boiling of the milk and so forth. So um, we actually wound up sneaking into this home so that we could boil this milk. And at first I was like, we have to boil the milk and like let it spill over onto the stove oven, uh, uh, the, the stovetop. And he was like, yeah. I was like, are you sure? Did you hear your parents correctly? Like they want the milk to boil until it boils over onto the cooktop. And he was like, yes. And I said, we could ruin our cooktop and we haven't even signed papers on this home. And he was like, well, it has to boil over. The milk has to like hit the stovetop. So I was like, okay. Um, and so we, we went in, you know, we have the kid with the kids in tow and we're boiling this milk, waiting for it to boil over. And then afterwards he tells me, you know, you have to make a sweet out of this. And so I'm like, oh my goodness. Um, and so we wind up adding sugar and some raisins and boiling a little bit of rice in it. And, you know, I guess it was our little bit of, um, 
rice pudding mixture if you were so that we could eat it and uh, of course let the kids have some and whatnot and one thing that I have to definitely um, say that was brought up at some point um, when we had gotten married um, because I think it was spoken by a friend or somebody they were like well you know um, I'm not sure if you know but typically Indian boys they'll send money home. And I was like, money home? And they're like, yeah. Um, they typically will support their families and and send money back home. And I remember asking Serino, like, do you do you plan to send money back home for, you know, for your parents to have? And he was like, no, my dad was very adamant that um, when I started working, it was my money. I've asked my dad if he wants me to send money home and he refuses. He does not want me or my brother sending any money home. Um, so, you know, based on my experience now, I have to give it to Srinu's parents because there are a lot of parents in India who do expect that to um, be sent back home. And I've been watching this 90 Day Fiance because more or less we get a lot of giggles out of seeing what people are going through and the craziness that um, ensues with some of these relationships where there's like, this is unknown, but then you turn around and you're like, are they really um, that naive or that uh, knowledgeable that they would not know these things? And so I have to give it to my father-in-law that um, if he wasn't the man that he truly was, we probably would have never been able to, to buy a home without some type of strict um, guidance on how to make that happen and still allow me to be a stay-at-home mom and Srinu to work at that time. So um, again, that's just a tidbit of information I have there that um, we have um, never had to experience. And we are by far blessed um, that my father-in-law put not only himself, but his kids in a situation that that was not a burden or a hindership to their homeownership. My father-in-law was actually the one who was doing the puja over the phone while we were doing this whole process. And it's just great to have him be a part of that. And I think that, um, it's it's interesting because Srinu would never have, you know, moved forward in doing this puja unless his parents asked because he just wouldn't have known. It's not something that he knew. It's funny because even till today, uh, if his mom's visiting and uh, Srinu and I have gone out, we come home and it's, it's later in the afternoon that day and she will mention something about, you know, Ganesha's birthday or something. And he's like, mom, just don't even say anything because half of my day is gone and whatever I've eaten, I've like eaten. Um, because you know, on those days it really should be vegetarian food that they take in, especially for, um, Indians who are not a hundred percent, uh, vegetarians. Uh, they do kind of try to respect those days. Like for us, we don't eat meat on Saturdays, which is kind of crazy because that's our days for shooting Indian weddings. That's like the prime wedding date with all the other days surrounding it. So all the good stuff, uh, usually we don't get the chance to eat that stuff because we try to strictly stay uh, vegetarian on Saturdays. But these are all things that I learned um, with the purchase of 242, you know, burying a small um, Ganesha in the ground and stuff like that. Like some people just, they bury certain deities in the ground and they might put coins in the corners, uh, before they start building the house. And there's just certain beliefs, um, that different regions really of India, um, have traditionally, um, in their culture as their own traditions. And not every, uh, region is the same. Not every family is the same. It could be the same region. And that family, just like those of us in America have different traditions 
traditions for those particular um, things that take place and how they celebrate them. So it's it's interesting to watch over the years uh, with Srinu and I and how that's grown. And I think because of the way that Hinduism has been introduced into our family, into our lives, even though um, I am a Christian, it wasn't forced or forged. And sometimes I often feel that it's more natural for me because I've had way more exposure to that religion. I've had, um, I've probably attended way more functions with uh, Hindu priests and uh, different types of pujas that it At first, it was something where, because it was foreign and unknown to me, it was different and it was, um, it was just something that I wasn't used to. And now I'm just so used to it that it doesn't feel unknown. And so it becomes comfortable. And I think that that's a, that, that goes like so far in a lot of things, because I think even when we purchased our first home, that's when I first realized we, you know, we moved a little bit further out than where your typical Indian would settle given where the job locations were. We, we pushed out a little bit further. And I think that sheltered us a lot from like other Indian families, but it also, I want to say, I think it hurt us in a little way because we didn't have that peer influence on our kids. Our kids didn't have that cultural submersion that other kids would have because they lived within an Indian community. So I think, you know, in some ways it hurt because we didn't have that Indian community that I think that when you are multiculturally married, you need to live close by somewhere where you have access to those things should you decide to introduce your kids to them Um, because we definitely didn't and out here where we did decide to move not a lot of people were very comfortable I think with the multicultural thing and out here where we are a lot of these people who see something different um, just don't feel it's normal and I think when they see it as different it tends to be so weird that it makes them uncomfortable. And I think that we quickly learned that with just trying to make friends, um, how our neighbors initially treated us, how much harder it was to just be in this community was extremely difficult. We had, you know, um, when we opened up even our photography business, it was really hard to get business locally. And even today, we don't do a lot of business locally where we live. We um, are definitely DC and destination based. So maybe that's a good thing too. But 242 really opened our eyes to a lot of different things in our relationship, as well as how we were looked at by others. And I think that that is where our family really started to grow because that's where we really learned a lot about each other's cultures and each other's religious beliefs and each other's families. Because not only were we newly married, we had um, a baby now together. And it was about really making those decisions based on not only our personal wants as parents or goals or dreams. But now it was like really involving his parents to make them feel like they had a say in our lives and in their grandchildren's lives. And so 242 was a was definitely a milestone for us. Um, It was our very first home and uh, my very first bit of experiencing India too, because it was it was really the first time we started planning our first trip to India. So in my next podcast, I want to talk a little bit about visitation. And this is going to be just I didn't realize when I married uh, my husband that I was going to all of a sudden, my mother-in-law started staying with me six months out of the year. So that was um, 
really new to me because I wasn't used to sharing my home anymore and um, what expectations there were when my mother-in-law came to visit and how I handled that. Because a lot of people are like, oh my goodness, your mother-in-law, and I get Indians as well as Americans, they're like, your mother-in-law, like she stays with you six months out of the year? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh my gosh, I would just die. And I just start laughing because I was like, you know, at first it was tough, but now I just really look forward to her coming. So I can't wait to dive a little bit into that. Again, episode eight is going to be about visitation. I hope that you guys all continue to subscribe, like, share, and follow me everywhere.